Judges chapter number 16, beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him that his soul was vexed to death. Now that could be a marriage scripture right there, can it? Right? No, but how come you all ain't laughing at that? That's funny. I don't care what you all say. Then it says, Then he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. And then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. And one version said he put his head in her lap. Be careful where you rest your head. And called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him and the strength and his strength left him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And so he said, I will, he woke from his sleep and he said, I'll go out as before other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. And so it happened, when their hearts were married, that they said, call for Samson, that he may perform for us. And so they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between two pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on the right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. Today in our series, Perfect, I want to talk to you about what should be the most treasured part of your life. It's, it's the reason why you're here. It's, it's the reason why God put you on the planet. It's what motivated God to create you. It's what was in God's mind before he began to form you. It's the thing that if you don't accomplish during your lifetime, you would have been considered a failure. It's the thing that the enemy of your soul is so after that he sends assassins into your life to snuff out. And the thing that I'm referring to today is your destiny. It's your why. It's your reason for being. It's what motivated God to create you. And I must tell you that my, my title this morning is motivated by a binge watch of The Godfather 1, 2, and 3. So on Wednesday when we were snowed in, I decided I'm going to watch The Godfather. I'd never seen it before. Can you imagine an Italian person who never watched The Godfather? Right? 
I, I got to watch this thing and see what everybody's talking about. And so I watched The Godfather, and I watched as the Corleones made offer after offer that could not be refused. And every time I, t- I tried to stop watching it, it kept pulling me back in. I, cu- I couldn't get away from it. And so my title this morning, motivated by my binge watch, is The Hitman Named Delilah. The Hitman Named Delilah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? Would you make this word relevant and real to each and every one of us as we give you the praise in Jesus' name? And everybody said, you may be seated. If I were to uh, list off the first 11 judges that ruled and reigned over Israel, there would be few in here and probably watching from wherever you are, any one of our campuses, who would be able to, to, to recognize any of the names of the first 11 judges. Maybe a few, but most of them would just go right over people's head. However, when you say the name of the 12th judge, Samson, everybody knows who Samson is. Even if you're a casual reader of the Bible, even if you don't know much about Scripture, you know something about Samson. Even people who aren't Christians know something about Samson. Samson was set apart from his mother's womb for a special purpose, to deliver Israel from the tyranny of their enemies, the Philistines. And God's special purpose for Samson was was so strong that Samson was dedicated from his mother's womb. At, At an early age, he took a Nazarene vow. His parents took it on on his behalf, and he was dedicated to that vow. And among all of the things that he had to keep as as a result of having that Nazarene vow, the most famous of which is that he could not shave his head. And Samson's strength was due to this sovereign selection that God had over his life, that he was to be a deliverer, a strong man of sorts, to have incredible strength and power to execute his assignment. And the sign of that strength and power and the sign of the covenant of that assignment was that his hair could not be shaved. His strength was not due to his hair being long. His hair being long was a sign of the special purpose which gave him the strength. And let me just push the pause button for a moment and let you know that you are at your strongest in life when you operate in your special purpose, when you realize that there is indeed a dream dreaming you, that you're not here by accident, you're not here by random chance or chaos, you are not caused by an uncaused explosion of organic soup, you are not You did not begin in a puddle of organic plasma, if you will. You began in the mind and the heart of Almighty God. God had a destiny. God had a plan. God had an assignment. And so God carefully crafted you in order to make sure you had what it took to fulfill your assignment. And you work best, and I work best, when we are operating in the purpose for which God put us on the planet. That's our destiny. Our DNA is very specific. And our DNA does not only tell us what the color of our skin should be or the color of our eyes or our hair. Our DNA is not the only thing that is responsible for why we are good at something and not good at another thing. The reason why we are good at stuff, the reason why we look the way we are, the reason why all of that is because those things were necessary in order for you and I to fulfill the destiny that God put us on the planet for. And when we ignore our destiny, we don't fire on all cylinders. We are not our strongest. And so Samson was strong, not because of his hair. He was strong because of his special assignment and the sign of his strength, the sign of the covenant was that he had long hair. The Philistines could not stop Samson. And by the way, did you know that you are unstoppable in your destiny? There's something special 
that comes on you when you walk in your destiny. You become an unstoppable force in the hand of Almighty God. And so Samson was separated. Samson was unstoppable because of his special assignment, his destiny. And the Philistines hated him because of his destiny. They hated him because no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't stop Samson. He would tell them riddles that they couldn't solve without cheating. He would burn down their fields. He would send foxes and to the fields with their tails on fire and burn down all of their fields and stop their economy from running. He would kill thousands with the bones of animals. He ripped up their city gates by their foundation. And each time they wondered how Samson could do this because, by the way, I know most people think that Samson, you know, looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. For the ladies, maybe he's like, you know, the vision of what you want a man to look like. You know, that strong guy with power and that long flowing hair. Maybe you guys, it's what you wished you looked like. You know, the 12-pack and the biceps and the shoulders and the long flowing hair and all that kind of stuff. But I don't believe Samson looked like a he-man. I don't believe he looked like Arnold. I believe he looked probably more like Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) And let me tell you why. Because if he looked like Arnold, wouldn't it be foolish to go up to him and say, what is the secret of your strength? I'm like, yeah, I see what the secret of your strength is, man. You're popping all over the place like that. But when, when he looked like Pee Wee Herman and he did what he did, everybody would look at him and say, what is the secret to this man's strength? He doesn't lift weights. He doesn't have muscles. He doesn't look strong. He, what he looks like defies what he does. And can I tell you how you know you have tapped into your destiny? When what you do defies what people expect of you because something supernatural comes on you when you are walking in your destiny. And so every time they looked at Samson, they thought, how does Pee Wee Herman do that kind of stuff? They, they couldn't stop him. And because they couldn't stop him, then they tried and they tried and they tried. And when all else failed, the gods, the lords who worshiped the god Dagon got together and they came up with a plan. And for the sum of $5,000, what would be $5,000 today? They hired a hitman named Delilah, to go into Samson's life and destroy his destiny. Who is Delilah? I know from the story Delilah is a woman, but Delilah doesn't have to be a woman. Delilah can be a man. Delilah doesn't even have to be a person. Delilah can be a thing. Delilah can be an attitude. Delilah can be a vice. It can be a weakness. It can be a drug. It can be a habit. It can be alcohol. It can be weed. It can be the need to succeed. It can be a person. It can be that relationship that you're in that everybody who loves you is telling you you need to get out of. It could be the person on Facebook that needs to be unfriended. It could be, it could be the person that needs to be blocked on your phone. Delilah can be a whole bunch of different things. She wears many hats. She comes in many dresses. But the truth of the matter is Delilah is anything. Whatever it is that you have a relationship with, that pulls you away from God and stops you from progressing in your destiny. That's who Delilah is. Hey there, Delilah. It's what you do to me. You destroy my destiny. That's why from you, I'll flee. Hey there, Delilah. Let me tell you a little bit about Delilah so that you don't rendezvous with her when you're not supposed to rendezvous with her. Number one, the first thing you got to see about Delilah is that Delilah never wanders into your life. She's always sent. She doesn't just show up. This is not like all of a sudden here. Here's this, oh wow, I can't believe this suddenly happened. Delilah is always sent into our lives. Notice what Judges chapter 16 before the text said that we read. Here's what it says, verse number four. After what had happened, that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him, entrap him. 
and find where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. I want you to know that Delilah didn't wander into Samson's life. She was sent into Samson's life. She didn't come to play. She didn't come to have fun. She didn't even come to have sex. Sex was just the tool, the vehicle that she used in order to disarm Samson so that he would allow her into his life. And notice the text says, after it happened. After what happened? Well, if you trace back Samson, what was going on in his life is, first of all, Samson married a Philistine girl. He shouldn't have married a Philistine girl. It was forbidden. It was advised against. Not because the Philistines were different. It's okay to marry somebody who is different in in the sense of Philistine or Gentile or Jew or black or white. That's okay. That's not what matters to God. What matters to God is what God do they serve? What matters to God is, is do they serve Jesus? And if they don't serve Jesus, we have no business in relationship with them. Missionary dating does not work. Promise you. Promise you that your, your walk is probably not strong enough to bring somebody into your life and get them saved so that you can have an equally yoked relationship. More than likely, what they'll do is pull you away from God. And so Samson wandered, and Samson began to marry a Philistine girl. And he loved the Philistine girl. He fell in love with her. But because he loved her, what the Philistines did is they put her to death. And so when they put her to death, Samson had a hole in his heart. And so Samson started looking for love in all the wrong places. And so he started jumping from one bed to the next. And he was in the bed of harlots. And then all of a sudden, along came another Philistine girl, which reminded him of the girl that he lost. Delilah was a replacement sent into Samson's life. She was tailor-made for Samson. She was what Samson liked. She was what Samson longed for. She was what Samson's heart was crying for. Samson, she came into his life. And here's the thing about Elijah. Before Elijah comes into your life, she studies you. She stalks you. She stalks you on Facebook. She watches your posts and she watches your friends and she watches your likes and she watches your videos and she watches your unfollows and she learns everything that she can possibly learn about you so that when she is sent into your life, she knows just how to gain access into your life. Delilah is a stalker and the reason why Delilah is a stalker is because you have a destiny and destiny always has a stalker. And notice what James chapter 1 verse 14 says. It says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That when desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Delilah is never uh, uh, just happenstances into your life. She never wanders into your life. She's always sent in what in the area that floats your boat by his own evil uh, desires. Delilah is customized. See, what floats your boat doesn't necessarily float my boat. You're not going to get me to stumble by offering me a drug, but if you put an Italian combo in my face, I'm going down. (laughs) Delilah is customized. To exactly what you need her to be. And Delilah will confuse you. And Delilah will get your eyes off of the ball. Delilah will get you so focused on the bait that you miss the tragedy of the trap. Delilah will get you so focused on the bait that you miss the tragedy of the trap. And and if you do see the trap, Delilah will trick you into thinking that you could steal the bait without getting hurt by the tragedy of the trap. And so what does the Samson do? He, he's, he's living with the bait. 
He's sleeping with the bait. And so she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And what does he do? He gets up and he defeats the Philistines. And he thinks, well, I got the bait and never experienced the tragedy of the trap. And then she says in a second time, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up and he defeats them. He got the bait and never experienced the tragedy of the trap. Third time, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He got up, he defeated them, got the bait, never experienced the tragedy of the trap. But the fourth time when he got up and he shook himself, he didn't realize that the Spirit of God had left him, and this time, guess what happened? The tragedy of the trap got to Samson. Because it's just a matter of time before you get hit with the tragedy of the trap when you play with Delilah. Delilah is, is, is never someone or something that wanders into your life. It's always sent into your life because we have an adversary who wants to destroy our destiny. Number two, second thing you need to realize about Delilah. Delilah gains access into our lives when we drift from God. How come Samson couldn't see it? I mean, he wasn't stupid. He was, he was a judge. He served God, 20 years, he had his ups and his downs. But for the, maybe the beginning portion of those 20 years, Samson was doing all right. But then all of a sudden, Samson started to drift away from God. And whenever we drift away from God, we open the door for the hitman named Delilah. Samson had three things that he had to do in order to stay faithful to God. Here was his covenant with God. It wasn't the same covenant that we have. We have a covenant that's not based on what we do. We have a covenant that's based on what Jesus did, right? And that's a whole nother sermon. But Samson had to keep his part of the covenant. There were three things he had to do. The first thing he had to do is he couldn't touch anything dead. I'm like, really? Do you really have to put that in the covenant? Who's going to touch a dead thing? Right? That's like God's softball to Samson. He's like, here you go. Here's the first one. This one's really easy. Don't touch anything that's dead. If I was Samson, I'd be like, all right, I got you, man. This is, seems pretty easy to me, right? Second thing he couldn't do is he couldn't drink anything with grapes. No grape juice, no wine. Right? And the third thing that we all know is he couldn't cut his hair. And so here's what happens to Samson. Before Delilah enters into the picture, Judges chapter 14, verse number 6 says, So Samson went down to Timna with his father and his mother, and he came to, notice this, the vineyards of Timnah. I'm like, yo, bro, what you doing by the vineyards? You know you're not supposed to be drinking anything with grapes. And so I got it, I got it, Samson. You just think you're one of those Christians who can get close to the particular thing without falling into the particular thing. What a lie of the enemy. If something floats your boat, If something pushes you in the wrong direction, you can't get close to it. you got to stay as far away from it as you possibly can. I'll use this example not to make anybody feel bad because we all have our things, you know. Like I can't have cannolis in the house. There's cannolis in the house. They're going down. There's just no question. I can say a million times, I'm not eating the cannolis. I'm not eating the cannolis. Boom, the cannolis are going down. If you are an alcoholic or a former alcoholic, you know what? You can't have alcohol in your house. What are you doing, bro? Why? Oh, yeah, that's okay. I, I'm over it now. No, no. It's going to call out to you. It's going to keep pulling you back. Samson is hanging around the vineyards. Of course he's going to drink something that's got some grapes in it. Now, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that hysterical? To his surprise. He's, he's doing something that he knows he shouldn't do, and to his surprise, something bad happens. 
I'm like, well, what do you think was going to happen when you start getting close to the things that you shouldn't do? Do you think everything was going to go ahead or, do you, or go great? Or did you think something was going to happen? And so to his surprise, a young lion came, to get, came against him. See, because when the enemy could get you close, here's what he'll do. Boom, he'll just try to attack. And watch this. Here's what I love about God. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hands. Watch this. Isn't it amazing that God anoints him with strength in the middle of his sin? Woo, that's a brain bender, isn't it? God anoints him with strength in the middle of his sin. And this is both good and bad. It's good because here's how God, here's how God operates. God's first move is to give you goodness when you deserve judgment. His first move is to cause his goodness to bring you to repentance. And so here's what God was trying to do by causing strength to come on him in the middle of his sin. He was causing Samson to want to just take a look at the goodness of God and go, I can't believe God did it again. I didn't deserve for God to do that, but God did it anyway despite what I was doing. And so guess what? I'm never coming back to this place again. I just flirted with death and God delivered me. I'm not going to keep flirting. But it's bad because if we don't realize that that's the goodness of God pulling us away from what we're doing that's wrong, what can happen, and what happens many times, is we think, well, God was all right with that. He gave me strength despite what I was doing that was sin, and so I'll keep on sinning, I'll keep on taking the bait, and I'll still enjoy the strength of God. See, that's the lie of the enemy. That's distorting what God is trying to do in our lives. And so he does this. He destroys the, the animal, rips the animal, the lion apart with his hands. And then the Bible said, but he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Can I just tell you something? Anytime you have to keep something a secret from the people that love you, something's up. <laughs> something's up. You don't, need to, you don't need to be, you know, an investigator to realize that somebody who you love is trying to keep somebody. Something is up. There's not something right there. And watch this. Then he went down and he talked with the women and she pleased Samson well. After some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. This was the softball. This was the thing. Don't touch anything dead. Samson's like, oh, check that out. There's some honey in the dead carcass of an animal. Mm-hmm. You know that you're being gripped when you be eating out of dead things. Like, you know, you know, go over to some roadkill and just be like, I got to get me some of this. You know something has hit your brain. You know somebody is messing with you big time, right? But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Samson is drifting from God. He's drifting by breaking the vow, little by slow. And as you drift from God, guess what happens? It becomes a doorway for the hit man named Delilah to walk in to your life. Can I just go old school on you for for a minute? Used to be that back in the day, when we gave our life to Christ, we died to sin. Used to be back in the day that we separated ourselves from sin. That we endeavored to be holy even as he was holy. But somewhere along the way we have confused and intentionally, I believe in many cases, distorted the doctrine of grace. So that way we could have the bait and the strength all at the same time. 
And so instead of separating ourselves from sin, we view grace as a way to continue to live in sin but still get the blessings of the promises of Almighty God. And that's not the way that God intended it to be. I thank God for his grace. I think the message of grace is so needed. It is true that when you sin, God will not remove his love from you. It is true that when you sin, God God will not even remove your salvation from you. I know that messes with a bunch of people. And I don't have time to teach on that. But trust me, it's a rock-solid doctrine. That is all true. But it is also true that if you love somebody like we're supposed to love God, you don't intentionally do what you want to do and then just take what you can get from God. And so Samson is this picture of you and I because he's drifting. He's trying to enjoy the blessings of God while enjoying the pleasures of sin at the same time. And the two don't go together. And when we see ourselves drifting away from God, understand that there's a doorway open for the assassin or the hitman named Delilah to walk in to our lives and destroy our destiny. Used to go to church every week. Now barely show up. Drift. Used to get so much out of the message, but now the pastor don't preach like he used to. Drift. I know that's not right. I love it. I love it. I love it when people say, oh, that was good. That's like you used to preach. Hmm? What is that supposed to mean? You mean you mean to tell me you decided to tune in today and got something out of it, and so all of a sudden I did a better job? <laughs> Hello, can I get real with you for just a minute? Right? I, I, I used to you get so much. I used to get so much out of the worship. I mean, the presence of God was so strong, but now it's just too loud. Drift. Used to get up and read your Bible every day. Hardly do it anymore. Drift. You used to separate yourself from the things that you knew were wrong, but now you just don't judge like that anymore. Drift. That's just, that's just that's this generation. Well, I don't judge, you know. I, I want if I if they want to smoke weed, they want to do 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 alcohol. I, I'm not going to do it, but I'll still be in their company. Drift. Hello. See, listen to what the Bible says. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Guess who he's looking for? He's looking for drifters. Can I give you a picture of this verse? Here's what it looks like. Guess who the zebra is? It's the drifter. When the lion gets that close, it's just a matter of time before the zebra gets hit by the tragedy of the trap. See, we need to understand these things about Delilah. Delilah never wanders into our life. She's always said Delilah gains access into our life when we drift away from God. Number three, third thing we need to know about Delilah is Delilah is deadly. Notice the text we just said, seeking whom we may devour. The enemy doesn't come just to distract. The enemy comes to devour. That's why it comes. Devour our destiny. Rob us of our reason for being. Judges chapter 16 verse 21 says, then the Philistines took him. They put his eyes out. They brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. And he became a grinder in the prison. There are five deadly things that Delilah brings. Number one, 
loss of control. They took him by the hand. Notice something that was weaker than Samson was now controlling Samson. Loss of control. Number two, the loss of vision. They plucked out his eyes. This is perhaps the deadliest thing because if the enemy can steal your vision, he can destroy you. My people perish for a lack of vision. Without a vision, the people perish. I actually just mixed up two verses in one, but I corrected it. You got it anyway, right? Lack of vision. They put his eyes out. See, if the enemy can get you to lose your vision, to get you to lose your, where you're going, to let, let you to, 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 to forget that you're a child of God, that you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, if he can get you to forget there's a destiny, there's a dream dreaming you, that you're not an accident, that you are here on purpose, that God put you here because the world needs something that is on the inside of you, if he can get you to forget that, it can destroy you. And so one of the deadly things that Delilah brings is a loss of vision. Number three, a loss of position. They brought Samson down. Some positions are good to lose, but the position God has placed you in is never something that should be up for sale. You should run away from everyone and everything that could cause you to lose the position that God has put you in. Number four, fourth deadly thing that Delilah brings is the loss of mobility. Notice they bound Samson. And here's how you can tell if the hitman is active in your life. You used to be running fast, but now you can't hardly run. Keep going around the same mountain over and over again. You keep having deja vu experiences at time and time and time and time again. There's a hitman. There's, there's an assassin that has been ordered against you named Delilah, the loss of mobility. And the fifth thing, deadly thing that Delilah brings is the loss of status. He used to be operating in the strength of God by his grace, and now he's grinding in a prison. The story is a clarion call to making sure that we have the right relationships with people and things in life so that our destiny is not destroyed. But it is also a reminder, and here's what I love, that when our relationships go wrong, that there is still a way to recover. And I want to end with that today. It's going to take me a while to end, so don't get excited like churches over that quick. But I want to end with how do you recover from a relationship with Delilah? First thing you need to do to recover from a relationship with Delilah, number one, is to realize that the hit ordered against you is indicative of the destiny that is within you. The hit that is ordered against you is indicative of the destiny that is within you. Listen to this. Insecurity over stuttering was the hitman that was sent to take out Moses. Jealousy was the hitman sent to take out Joseph. Jezebel was the hitman sent to take out Elijah. Prostitution was the hitman sent to take out Rahab. Fear was the hitman sent to take out Gideon. Mordecai was the hitman sent to take out Esther. Goliath was the hitman sent to take out David. The lion's den was the hitman sent to take out Daniel. Doubt was the hitman sent to take out Thomas. Rumor was the hitman sent to take out Mary, the mother of Jesus. Shame was the hitman sent to take out Peter. Betrayal at the hands of a person named Judas was the hitman sent to take out Jesus. Every one of them had a hitman sent to take out their destiny in their life. Why? Because they had a destiny. And here's one of the things that Delilah will try to convince you of. Delilah will come into your life and try to convince you that your life has no purpose, no value, no meaning, that you have nowhere to go, that you're destined to live in the muck and the mire of what Delilah has caused in your life. But God wanted me to remind you today that that is not true, that there is indeed a dream dreaming you, that you are not an accident, but that you are here on purpose with a mighty destiny that cannot be stopped. The hit ordered against you is indicative 
of the destiny that is within you. Second thing you need to realize about Delilah is that Delilah is deadly, but God is a mighty deliverer. Delilah is deadly, but God is a mighty deliverer. Look at verse 23. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. By the way, don't ever perform for people. It's one of the quickest ways to lose your destiny. Live for an audience of one. What matters most in life is not how you please people. What matters most in life is do you please God? That he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars and then Samson said to the lad who led him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. And here we find the first way that God delivers us in a mighty way. God delivers, number one, through unconventional means. Did you notice who God sent to Samson? He didn't send him another he-man. He sent him a little man. And I don't mean in stature. I mean a, a boy, a young lad, somebody who had no strength. But guess what that young boy had? He had what Samson needed. Samson didn't need strength. God could anoint him again and boom. But guess what Samson needed? He needed sight, not strength. Why? They took his eyes. And so who does God send? God sends a little boy who can see because that's what Samson needed. And just like the enemy will send people into your life in order to destroy you, God will send partners into your life in order to help you, in order to complement the areas that you're weak in so that you can fulfill your destiny. But watch this, though. It's kind of shocking. If I was Samson, I'd be like, a boy? That, that's who you sent me? God, I need some real help. What can a kid do? But here's what I learned about God. I've learned that God is not bound to deliver us through conventional means. I've learned that, that when the avenue that I thought the deliverance was going to come through dries up, that God is not stuck. It's not that my deliverance is now past due just because it didn't happen the way that I wanted to. I learned that God is an unconventional God and that God might just do some things that shock us. He might heal you by rubbing some mud in your eyes. He might feed you with a little boy's lunch. He might speak to you from the mouth of an ass. He might wait until you stink to show up and raise you from the dead. He might pull a coin out of a fish's mouth to pay your taxes. He might jump in the fire with you instead of stopping you from entering into the fire. He may wait until you're a hundred in order to give you a promised child. He may show up in the womb of a virgin and come into the... God is not bound by conventional ways of deliverance. And so we must never lose hope if it didn't happen the way that we thought. He's an unconventional God. And he delivers through unconventional means. The second way God delivers is through unlikely prayers. Verse 27 says, Now the temple was full of men and women. And the lords of the Philistines were there, about 300 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called out to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the middle two pillars supporting the temple. 
He braced himself against them, one on the right, the other on the left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people that were in it. So in his, so the dead that he killed in his death were more than he killed in his life. You know what surprises me? Verse 28. Verse 28 says, then Samson prayed. And I'm like, seriously? From a religious mindset, I'm like, you got no shot of having that prayer answered. Then Samson, sinful Samson prayed. After he had done everything he wanted, after he had eaten from the dead carcass, after he had hung out in the vineyards, after he had slept with harlots, after he told Delilah the secret of his strength, after he did all that, Samson prayed. Samson, bro, you got no shot at God answering that prayer. Now, of course, I speak from a religious mindset because the truth of the matter is that God doesn't answer prayer based on our track record. God answers prayer based on the track record of Jesus Christ. He doesn't answer prayer because we have performed. He answers prayer because Jesus has performed. And our faith should not rest in our own faithfulness because we will fail God time and time again. But when your faith is anchored to the finished work of Jesus Christ, that's when God shows up. And so God, God answered. Here's the part that's really shocking. The unlikely prayer of Samson. See, God not only reaches to the highest mountain, but his arm stretches to the lowest valley. He can reach you in your valley of divorce. He can reach you in your valley of addiction. He can reach you in your valley of adultery. He can reach you in your valley of abuse. He can reach you in your valley of depression. He can reach you in your valley of anguish. He can reach you in your valley of regret. He can reach you in your valley of shame. He can reach you in your valley of sin. Why? The arm of God is never too short to save. He reaches not just to the highest mountain, but down to the lowest valley. He heard the unlikely prayer of Jonah in the bottom of the sea in a whale's belly. He heard the unlikely prayer of a prodigal in a pig pen. He heard the unlikely prayer of Samson in a prison. God can hear your unlikely prayer. Listen, you are always, 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 no matter what you've done, no matter whose fault it is, one prayer away from mighty deliverance. One prayer away. Never listen. To the voice of Delilah, it says God won't hear your prayer. God still hears prayer. God still heeds prayer. God still answers prayer. Third way that God delivers. And this is my favorite verse in the whole story. I love this verse. However, the hair, and I love the word however here. It's like it just told us all the stuff. And, 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 and the picture that's being painted in the story is that Samson caused it all. Right? Isn't that the picture in the story? It's, it's like not nobody else's fault. Some things in life happen because it's other people's fault, right? Some things happen in life because it's our fault. Can anybody relate to that, your fault? Any, any your fault people here, right? We all can relate to that. Some things just happen because it's your fault. And that's what the Bible says. However, despite everything you've done, despite all the mess that you've caused, despite all the bad decisions that you've made, however, the hair 
on his head that was shaven began to grow back. In other words, despite everything you've done and despite the destruction that the enemy called Delilah, the hitman called Delilah, brought into your life, despite her plan to destroy your destiny, however, I still had a plan. However, I still have a plan. However, before she hits you, I put a plan in place and that plan is for you to come back again. See, the devil is not smarter than God. The devil is not one step ahead of God. God is just always one step ahead of him. And so no matter what has happened, there's always a however. And here's what I really love about this. It says, however, the hair on his head began to grow back. Listen carefully. From the perspective of Delilah, she shaved off his strength. From the perspective of God, Samson had been taken back to his roots. They shaved his head, but they left his roots. They shaved his head, but they left his roots. Oh my God, thank God for solid roots. Thank God for solid roots. Thank God for solid roots. Parents, keep putting them solid roots in your kids. Christians, keep getting you a solid root in a Bible-believing church, one that preaches the word. Thank God for solid roots because you can shave all the excess stuff off, but you can't take away the roots. The roots are always there. And sometimes, sometimes... God's got to take it all back, trim it all down to the firm foundation of a life built on Jesus Christ. Sometimes God's got to take you back to your roots and rebuild your life so that he can once again release you into your destiny. Sometimes God's got to remind us that the strength that we have is because of him and the power that we possess is because of him and the success that we achieve is because of him. Sometimes God's got to strip it all away and take us back to the basics of our faith. Take us back to the time where Jesus was was first. Take us back to the time where he was the center, where the word of God was our priority, where prayer was our lifeline. Sometimes God's got to strip it down. Listen, listen. Sometimes the deliverance is in the haircut. Sometimes God's got to get rid of all of the stuff standing in the way of the destiny. Sometimes that's the way God delivers. And here's what I love about God. He'll use what the enemy thought was to take your strength, to cause you to build even greater strength. Because the root is the solid part, but sometimes all the stuff that grows around the root is unnecessary and it's extra and it's standing in the way. And so sometimes the haircut is necessary. So God can take it back take it back to a time when we surrendered our life to him for his use however he saw fit nowadays we tell God what our plan is that's not the way it's supposed to be we are his at his service for whatever purpose he sees fit sometimes God's got to take it back to when we realize why we are Christians not to be blessed Although God had no problem with that. But to be lights in a lost world. I just really feel this so strongly lately. Why 
don't church people, why don't Christians share Jesus with other people? Why? It's because we forgot the reason why we're Christians. We're not Christians so we can be blessed. We're not Christians so that we can, you know, build better lives. All that is extra. All that is, we are Christians so that we can be lights in a lost world. We are part of the army of God. We ought to be out there telling people about Jesus. We ought to be out there packing God's house by inviting people to his house so his house can be fulfilled. Sometimes God got to give us a haircut to strip it back. Sometimes the mighty way that God delivers is by bringing us back to our Christian roots. I love the end of the story. I love the end of the story. Because it reminds me that though there is a hitman called Delilah who comes to destroy, there is also a God who is a mighty deliverer. And I hear God saying to somebody right now, and I don't know who this is for, whether it's here whether it's watching at one of our campuses, here's what I hear God saying right now. Never lose faith in the end of the story. You may have lost control. You may have lost your vision. You may have lost your position. You may have lost your mobility. You may have lost your status. But whatever you do, don't lose faith in the end of the story. Samson was down, but he was not defeated. He was bound, but he was not beyond the reach of God. He lost the battle, but he didn't win the war. I know that God is saying right now Delilah may be deadly but he is a mighty deliverer don't lose faith in the end of the story the enemies of Samson cheered but the story wasn't over they got excited too quick they didn't realize God was the author and finisher of our faith never ever 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 lose faith in the end of the story never lose faith in the end of the story Never lose. You will rise again. You will rise again.